This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake Them Ropes, episode 300. I'm Jeff Hawkins. With me, as always, Chris Novembrino. Chris, what is this about chess? Okay, Jeff. It's the World Chess Championship, and we are now at the end of classical play. And that's very exciting for me. <laughs> wait, wait. Okay, hold on. So I know the basics of chess. What is classical, uh, classical versus speed or classical versus, like, modern fusion chess, where they do... So there's like the standard chess format that they play. I'm going to spare everyone the minutes. But what happens after the initial 12 rounds of classical chess or 13 rounds of classical chess is we move into a rapid game mode. So Uh. this was both a good world series of chess and a bad world series of chess. I'm going to go on my cranky old man chess rant here right now. No shadow. Stay out of this conversation. Daddy needs to rant. So I think supercomputers have ruined the game of chess, at least at the world competitive level, because what has happened is all the best players in the world, they sit and they study supercomputer variations and... Eventually, that super preparation wears out, and then the game begins, the actual game, but it's not exciting because it's as though these two players are playing the middle of a chess match. You know what I mean? As though the supercomputers guide them the first 30 moves or so, and then eventually the actual players start playing, and you see a drop-off in the games, and there's... A lack of flow. So throughout this World Series of Chess, a lot of the same openings and variations have been played. And if it was two regular players, you're not going to keep opening with your knight for 10 games straight. You're going to do different things. You might move one pawn. There are a number of different variations in openings that you would do to try to psychologically get into your opponent. And what very competitive chess has turned into now is not playing your opponent, but playing their positions. And it's just a little too robotic. It sounds like what's happened in poker somewhat, where people are playing ranges instead of the guy across from them in in a way. But, uh, okay, so what's this one move thing you were talking about? Okay, so after all the preparation went aside this match, there was a very interesting opening that occurred for Caruana, the American who was playing against Carlson. And it's a really simple move, but he was able to move his rook up one square and they were far enough along in the game that moving that rook up gave him a bunch of defensive options. It, It just opened him up a lot, but unfortunately the game ended up in a draw. But that particular move was very strong. The the other thing you do have to appreciate with this level of competitive chess is it's not always about beating your opponent. Sometimes there's just simple positional moves that are very strong 
that you can kind of appreciate at that level. This is all very nerdy. But but my comment to you about the one move is I found that one move more mentally exciting than the entirety of Raw this week. I watched the UK shows that we did not get to cover because of the holiday. I watched Starcade, which was a nothing house show. I watched Raw, and Raw was Raw, and Raw infuriated me. Um Raw was more than Raw, though. This this was worse than Raw somehow. This was this was a lot of Baron Corbin for one. Yeah, and back to back when they went revival, looking like geeks, and then Sasha and Bailey hawking merch. I just kind of went, eh. and it looks like they're going to try and rekindle that feud. It looks like they've decided that uh, more authority figures is what's needed to make this show more exciting because we now have Alexa Bliss who. May or may not wrestle again. We don't know how bad the concussion is, but they know she's a character. And, of course, office politics in, in the realm of WWE. Um, I want to start with maybe the more interesting thing this week uh, since SmackDown just ended. What did you think of the follow-up to the Becky Charlotte uh, angle? Boy, that is a very interesting thing because it's the way they're editing it in the video packages. And I guess the promo served as a bit of a corrective where Becky says to Charlotte, you did it just like I would do it. And that kind of sort of got them back on the same page. But I think Charlotte's better off as a heel, so I still find this a little bit perplexing, and I don't know that the crowds wouldn't go along with it. I think the makeup is tipping Charlotte being a heel because they're doing kind of the same thing with Candice LeRae. They give the darker colors as she gets more and more heelish. I'll tell you something. I thought they were too passive-aggressive by half with each other because if you're looking at continuity of character, Becky hugged charlotte before going into battle and then right. now she's coming out here and being snarky and saying well you know what if i had done it she wouldn't have been standing you know I, she I, was it, a little too standoffish it, it turned me off on both of these people in terms of character work but then it's also weird because what they're endorsing was a heelish act so becky has to come off like a dick because She's saying to Charlotte, yeah, I would have used the kendo stick. I I think the twist that Becky should have made there is, but I would have won the match. I'm I'm fine with that in terms of doing it that way. I just, there's just something, to me it feels like they haven't decided yet to go full on who's going to be the heel here. I I think they're still undecided. I think they're trying to play both against the middle and then to add in now Asuka into a triple threat. I mean, Asuka's there to lose because they have these two hot acts that, to me, they just can't decide on in some ways. I I, I don't... I can't say for sure whether or not they know if it's going to be Charlotte versus Ronda or Becky versus Ronda or they're doing another triple threat there. Um, I think... I think they're trying to postpone this one-on-one match between Charlotte and Becky again and are being a little too cute by half. Because, I mean, I, I like Asuka if, if this... Asuka is a clever usage because it will establish Charlotte firmly as a heel if that is indeed their plan. However, you wouldn't need to establish Charlotte firmly as a heel if you had just went with it a week ago or two weeks ago. 
yeah, they were just being nasty to each other in the promo, and I'm just like, okay, I'm. It doesn't fit what happened last week, in terms of the give or two weeks ago, in terms of giving the uh, giving giving the rub to Charlotte going into the match, and that and it just it it's Charlotte's being too heelish, and to to get any sort of emotional resonance out of a full turn. And Becky is being too, too alpha to the point she's being unlikable at times. She's still bristling at being liked or even being respected, which is kind of, it's grating at this point because I feel like we've already gone past this emotional space. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't need Becky to be smiling happy. Thank you, people. Thank you, people. I, I don't need that. I just need her to be a little bit less... She can bask in the respect. Yeah, she can bask in the respect. I think she needed to be a little bit more... You know what, Charlotte? That was a heck of a job, but now we need to fight. You know, you can be confident in yourself without being arrogant about yourself. I think she's coming off a little... Well, I mean, but the man thing, so I'm just... I'm off. There's something off about this, and I don't know what it is. It's the non-commitment on the face turn with Becky. You just have to go all the way. Okay. I'm fine with that. I'm looking forward to the match. If they can somehow rebuild Asuka as a badass through this, even though she's definitely taking the fall, no matter who beats her, um, I'd be fine with that, too, because I thought the crowd, crowd definitely into the Asuka part. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, people like Asuka, and they want to see more get done with Asuka. I, I think they, that's kind of what's going see, on there. They want to see more than Asuka doing hip checks Absolutely. to everybody. Yeah, sure. That, and that's my problem with the Asuka character right now is that's all she does. She does that, and she, you know, she does the dancing and the big facials, but in terms of her moveset, it's knee, a couple of kicks, spinning back fist, and hip check, hip check, hip check, hip check. If this can make her more of a killer like she was against, say, Bailey or Mickey James down in NXT, all for that because I love Asuka at, at, as a performer i do i just she needs time and these battle royals and these kind of gimmicky matches even the way that they still do women's tag matches generally especially when you have to work with like the iconics it forces oscar into doing the five or seven moves of doom yeah and yeah pretty much i i'm i'm hoping that this is the start of building up more and more women as legitimate badasses. The problem is when when they do that, then the whole alpha thing kicks in, and and they don't know what they don't know how to book confident people without coming off in terms of a bit nasty, because because that's what happened with Roman Reigns as well. It, is they they tried to make him oh I'm the big dog I'm the alpha guy and he just became unlikable and you're just like Ugh, I don't I don't want to root for this guy who just seems like he's daining us with his presence but they thought it came off as cool and uh confident and it didn't it came off as nasty and and belittling so we'll see another lingering thought with roman reigns here before we move on to another show or other parts of this show is that long 10 minutes of booing right after he defeated the undertaker and he just said (laughs) it's my yard now in a show where episode after episode goes by and you don't necessarily remember every single one. 
that sticks out in my mind like a sore thumb. That is one of those raw moments that I definitely remember, and I have to imagine a lot of other people who have been watching the show for the last several years, that one probably sticks out too, and there's a lot of bad karma attached to that. How so? Well, I, I just think that it prevented him from ever being fully likable with a certain segment of the audience. Yeah, that was the time to go heal with him, if, right. if any. If right. any. I mean, now everybody keeps on, well, they need to turn heal now. No, no, the time has passed. Trains left the station. Uh, <laughs> now he has to come back as fighting babyface who beat leukemia. So, well, yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's a, there's a big giant reset once he gets this leukemia thing behind him, uh, and he can start clean and start fresh, and he finally gets the time away that his character needed for a reboot, and, and hopefully they do actually take the opportunity to reboot him a little bit. By the way, when I prefaced the intro, I was going to go into something about NXT UK, the episodes I watched, because the women's tournament has kind of come to to a bit of a head. How's that going? Uh, it's going okay. I, I like the matches. I think I think it's a solid division in NXT UK. I, I do. I think they have yeah, a actually, lot of great things. Yeah, actually, I like things. them. Yeah, they do. But I'm going to say this. The official mascot of Shake Them Ropes is still Wild Boar Mike Hitchman. I, I love this dude. I don't know what it is. He's, he's pure jobber to the stars type mechanic guy, but he has a character. And every time they mention that he had his teeth knocked out in a bar fight, I want to hear more about this guy. Please tell me, what was the onus of this fight? Were you protecting someone's honor? Were you just inebriated yeah. or something? He, he, yeah. he is the you most. Know, you know it's drinking. He is the most interesting person to me on NXT UK now that Eddie Dennis is no longer interesting to me. I, that's what I, and I want more interesting stuff. And, and going into this, they've announced now an NXT UK takeover, uh, main event, Pete Dunn versus Joe coffee. Okay. I don't believe Joe Coffey's going to be, get the title. I'm sure it'll be a good match. You, you you're going to have the tag team, uh, t- tag team titles, uh, decided over there. You're going to have a women's, title defense i'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't watched the tournament yet or or doesn't know but i think you can pretty much figure out who's going to be in this match jeff buddy i've got a bad feeling i actually think that joe coffee might win the title from pete dunn you think it's time yeah i think it's time and you've established this faction they have to exist for a certain reason and that reason sure would seem like getting the title. Well, you can move Pete Dunn over to regular NXT then. I exactly. Mean, and, and he can do so many things. He's a jack of all trades for this company. And plus you have now an incoming uh, talent in Walter having been signed to NXT UK. Uh, that That's going to be fun. I love Walter. Who do you want to see Walter wrestle with? I want to see Walter chop the hell out of everybody. I, wa- I want to see a Tyler Bate match. At least once in NXT UK, a a good long one. Um, I'd love to see him and Pete Dunn here in a takeover type situation. I'm 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 down with him versus anybody. I I watched him just cave in Zack Saber Junior's chest over Mania weekend, and 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 I want more of that. I, I want bring in Zack Saber for a one for a deal, so that Walter can beat the crap out of him again. Because I'll always enjoy that. Back to SmackDown. If you'd like. I, I, I mean, that's what we're ostensibly here for. Oh, are we? Because I, I have a nice... I, I, <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to Raw. I'm going to jump back to Raw. Uh, okay, that's fine. We can go wherever you want. 
This Dean Ambrose is worse than prop comic Dean Ambrose. Hey, I told you it was going to be bad. I gave it a chance. I gave it a chance, but they had no idea what they were doing when they started, and it's even worse. Yo, it's terrible, isn't it? It's very, very bad. You people... You know, I don't have you to give all you smell. a reason. I hope he you comes out smell. with a clothespin. You all don't bathe. I can hear Vince McMahon's voice in these promos, in all these promos on Raw, with, with, with the beta males, and you all smell, and you don't bathe, and you're stupid, and it's just like, oh, God, everybody's the same. Okay, can I make a slight defense of the beta male one? Because I sure. kind of hate it on one level. However, for this pairing of Lashley and Leo Rush. Yes. I like okay. the irony of Lashley constantly trashing on beta males with a total beta male as his manager. You're saying Leo Rush is a beta male? Hey, he's not the alpha I disagree. Of the two. I okay. disagree. I, I totally disagree. I, I love, I, but I love Leo as the hype man. His reactions are fantastic. Even when he's not, when he's not talking, I think, I think that's, he's great. The you know, Leo was, Rush character on Raw is a beta male. <laughs> he hasn't peed on himself, though. No, he hasn't. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Just give it a few weeks, Jeff. Don't give many ideas. It's coming now. Oh, you seeded the wind, my friend. I'm I'm jumping all over the place here, so so let's get through the Dean one. That that promo in the doctor's office. Oh, look at these shots I'm getting, so I can be around people. I'm just like, oh man. All you got, all you have to do is make him crazy and tough. That's all you have to do. You don't have to add in this extra layer of contempt, because his contempt is for Seth. He doesn't need to put that against the audience to get, you know, to get booed. He just needs to have contempt for the burn it down guy and call him a fraud about all those things, you know, or or call him, you know, oh, you're just you're just trying to fake being nice to the people after all the crap you did, you know. Give him. You know, bad guys don't think they're bad, so give him an almost justifiable reason to be a jerk, but turn it up to 11 as opposed to this, I'm getting this so I can be around fan-type stuff. Contempt for the fans by heels is, is, you know, it's a well-worn trope, but at the same time, when I got everybody doing the Elias slash Miz, you know, insult the the town you're in type shtick, it doesn't, it, it you know, it has a... Uh, declining rate of effectiveness. Yeah, there's diminishing returns, absolutely. That's what I was thinking of, and I couldn't think of the term. (laughs) Sure. But I think that Dean Ambrose at this point would have been better served just cutting a promo at Roman Reigns in Roman Reigns' hospital room. Have him staged up. You know what I mean? No, seriously. Like, be better than these shots in the ass. Have him go and visit Roman in the hospital. And Roman's just like, Dean, what are you doing? And Dean just stares at Roman and gives him no answers and and just goes, I don't care what happens, and walks out. Something simple. He doesn't need to be speaking this much. He's speaking way too much. Every time he sort of trends towards comedy, it's bad and... As bad as it was as a babyface, I think it's actually worse now as a heel. It loses that aura of badassness that he had when when he came in and he looked like he was the guy on the prison yard looking like he'd be able to take anybody on. And then he cut that first promo and you kind of went, eh. And then you had the breakup and then he started being silent again and you're like, okay, maybe they can do something with this. And it's like, meh, they didn't again. And you're just kind of like, all right, now, now, now he's monologuing. 
like like a. It's like not a even about villain. Seth for him at this point. Now it's yeah. just about hating the fans. Yeah, and that and that that you know when you're when you're moving the focus of your anger, it's like okay, what you know, but. I mean, my my problem with Raw mostly is it was all plot driven as opposed to they're not building these characters and then putting them in situations where where it's easy to just make a feud and that that tends to be the issue here is, is well you have all this great talent and you don't have fresh matches so I like the final stages of a Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins match as much as the next guy. I say the final stages because I find that the opening phases of their matches tend to be a bit slower than I care for, but they tend to pick it up towards the end, and it's good. But how many times have we seen Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins wrestle this year? Just this year alone, not lifetime since these two have been in the company together. I have a stat, because I retweeted this. A friend of mine retweeted this today, and I did so on my Twitter as well. Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler have shared the ring 15 times since June 18th, with seven being singles matches. Just this year. That's 15 times in 24 weeks. You could select a random week of WWE and have a 62.5 chance of seeing this match. That is madness. And, and you have so many. Match. Don't get me no, wrong. it it's, is, but no match is good that many times. And those guys go out there and they try to come up with new things. And I even liked the finish this week where it was the Falcon Arrow. Yes. The, the superplex into the Falcon Arrow. I'm glad that they finally put that over as a pinnable move. That was great. The final sequence of this match was great. But I've seen this match so many times that I have a hard time mustering a single damn to give whenever it's back on my screen. Right. And, and when you put that match with very few stakes other than the fact that Dolph wanted to come out again and tell you he's the best in the world with no explanation of why he broke off from uh, McIntyre and why they're not letting him in that little crew anymore. Insufficient tallness. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's another plot hole that, that they never address, will probably never address because they've just moved on. Corbin and gets drives- a measuring stick and has it next week when Dolph tries to come in. It's you must be this tall to ride this ride and he can't make it. But you sandwich that match between the Elias, oh, I forgot to tell you it's a no DQ match, and and the end match where it becomes a two on one handicap match for heat. And you're just like it it, it, it it's a nice pearl and an oyster of crap, but it's like you know, but it also had no point to it. And back to my point about character building. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example: a B feud for the world champion. Back in my back in during my fandom, Ric Flair established as a womanizer in all his promos. You know, come to my room at the Marriott in Atlanta if you're between the ages of 18 and 25 or whatever, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's natural that the guy with the valet, even if he's a heel, he wants to mack on his woman. And that's how he got into a feud with Jimmy Garvin. And that's all you had to do to build a feud. With this, it's, it's, all, about, it's all about whoever the, the interim general manager is in office politics. And you're just like, there, there's, no, there's no rhyme or reason to any of these matches other than to have them for the most part and other than to solidify power. But and then the long form match that you have, Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins, isn't really building either one of these characters in any meaningful way. No, 
And what's going to happen eventually on Raw, we, I think we can see this coming, is Alexa Bliss is going to screw over Baron Corbin. And and then we'll be... Two. And then she's going to be the general manager. Yeah, and then she'll be the general manager and she'll get talked down to by Stephanie for being short or something. I, I don't know. I'm... I... I like, okay, so, so you get this no DQ match with Elias and Elias has no friends. And then you have the Revival come out and they have to fight a three-on-two handicap match. And then they put over on commentary that, well, who... Who... One second. What was that? That's the sound drop from our last episode. I need to turn it off. <laughs> that was uh, Spinal Tap from the last episode. We're not using it. I guess we are using it again in this episode, but it wasn't intended to be used again. Mm. <laughs> but they're but they're putting over on commentary. Who would complain about a Lucha House Party rules? Well, most anybody, if you're fighting three guys and it's supposed to be traditional tag team matches, it's like, we're just going to bury traditionalists because they're not forward thinking. Okay, great. So I, I've thought about this for a while because I was trying to think, why in God's name are they allowing the Lucha House Party rules for three baby faces? It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I'm trying not to overthink it, but here's my best theory. My best theory is we're building to the Authors of Pain versus the Lucha House Party as a trio, and that's okay. how you're going to be able to make that match competitive, since apparently they don't really give a damn about what they're doing with the Authors of Pain. They're not going to book these guys like the monsters they really are. I, I can, you know what? You I'm, can I'm almost see that, that, right? I'm fine with that. I just I just thought the way they, they're doing it is so... It's bizarre. <laughs> insulting. It's it is. insulting to people who actually like tag team wrestling. Oh, these traditionalists of tag team wrestling, which is their gimmick, don't like this. So, you know what? You're you're the idiot. I'm just like, okay, great. Well, it's weird that I'm, they can't go and complain to Baron Corbin about this, right? Well, again, heels don't have friends either. That <laughs> it's just, No, but that's not true in WWE. When, when you oh, turn okay. heel, everyone becomes your friend immediately. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it, it, it seems weird that they couldn't have gone and said, hey, what's up with this? Um yeah, okay, I can see that. Three three on two, and then the Authors of Pain just kill them. I, I, I can, you know. In the weak build, it will be sort of exciting where it's like, oh my god, maybe they'll be able to use their flurry of offense, but then the Authors will, like, smash the hell out of them. Something like that. I don't know, but first the Authors of Pain have to get through this riveting Bobby Roode versus Chad Gable feud. Mm. This just gets better and better each week. He it, peed it's so on well his written. robe. It's because he it's so well Bobby Roode is in the middle of a world tag team title match, and he's <laughs> watching television. His outraged tra- reactions were amazing. <laughs> and, and, I can't believe what? this is happening. What's he going to do next? Why is it in the toilet? What's he going to What's in the box? Ah, oh, what's in the box? <laughs> in, in what world can you flush a robe down a toilet? <laughs> I just I'm like, okay, if you put it in the shower, maybe you you can, you know, pee on it and just leave it there or whatever. You're stuffing it in the toilet. I get the effect. The Foley artist here, you know, didn't exactly match up. But at the same time, it's like all of this hits every wrong note because stupid baby face syndrome says, okay, he took your robe. Do you care about the robe more than winning the tag team titles? Really, Bobby Roode? Come on. 
It's weird uh, to be non-committed on it, right? You care enough about the robe to watch it get destroyed on TV. But not enough to go in the back. Right, right. Not enough to go yeah. in the back. You still want to have one foot in this match just in case something shakes out. Well, look, Lou Albert, or, who was it? Or, what was it? Bobby Heenan steals the Islanders' dog. But, oh, no, we're not going to chase him for it. We're just going to watch him go to the back and do something with it. That's what it would be on on if they did it now. I just, it's, uh, it's so you can't respect the baby faces. And and at the same time, the heels look kind of stupid because they're putting on a show for him. But I guess I get the authors of pain the win. Okay, great. But now Drake Maverick's this mischief imp character. And still the head of 205 Live. Right. And then what may be the worst feud in WWE this year. It looks like we're once again sowing the seeds for Bailey Sasha. (laughs) I'm just like, no. Why? Why can't you just build these two up? Because they're going to be the next ones that the crowd get behind and pull a Becky on. Because it becomes cyclical now, I think, with the horse women. I, I do. I, I'm. I'm. Uh, I, I just. I found that whole. We're gonna have a town hall talk show meeting, and 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 Alexa Bliss is just gonna act. You know, absolutely emasculate if you can call that a term for women. Both of them, like like. I mean, they did that enough with Bailey when she was in a feud in the ring with Alexa. Why why do that now? I guess the gender neutral term would just be delegitimize, right? Delegitimize would, is a much better term that you thought of on the fly. Okay, it's great. I I, I bow to. I know. I, I'm just. I was just trying to think of what another synonym would be for what's occurring there, and and that's I think probably the best term for it is it drags them both down. And so, yeah, they'll have a feud, but with less intrigue. When really, I think the crowd just wants to cheer both of these two. Yeah, I, I do. I, th- I think they, they figured that out, and then they decide, well, now we got to give them something to do, so we'll start sowing these seeds again. And and I think one of the reasons I ended up using that term is because right as I was talking about Sasha and Bailey, I, I, I thought, oh, don't forget about the terrible Nia versus Ronda thing. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Shall we? Let's talk about that. Nia's not finding her step as a heel character either. And what is Tamina doing with Nia? We still haven't really addressed that. Um, they're friends. Yes. They are they are partners. Uh they are But not like uh, that. No. No, but Tamina is there to help ensure that Nia wins and it I I I it's an idea to have Nia be the face breaker. I get that. It's a it's a noble idea to get heat. It would be good if Becky mentioned it and maybe wanted to have some comeuppance on that. But they Nia don't want to make her look weak. They don't want to make her look weak, let alone. I mean, we can talk about this for ages. The same thing Orton did to, to Rey Mysterio. He's been in a neck brace for a week, week and a half. Ronda Rousey's coming out here the next night. <laughs> being awesome and be, you know looking for a fight and you're just like okay great you know i i can't even remember all of Nia's promo i just went this is not the right note on this in some ways um yeah i i like the i, I like the idea of her being the face breaker now have her break somebody else's face 
Yeah, why not have K-fame. her in K-fame. No, no, but have her in squash matches. I, I mean, yeah. really like the, the best usage of Nia clearly is not there to have go. her coming out and cutting these promos. What she should be doing is telling very basic stories by squashing young female talent that is local in every town she that should they go be a, to. Yes, she should be abusing the local talent to get over the facebreaker gimmick. There you go. Because she just can't call herself that with just Becky. Now she need now it needs to be a pattern. Yeah, have her beat one person one week, the next week she beats two people, and the next week she beats two people, and then she's like, Is there anyone else back there? Send me some more. She, you know, beats up three or four. Or or that it that's to get in shape for Rhonda, who right. is who is a legit badass. And although what did Rhonda say this week that I'm just kinda I'm I'm blanking on, but it was again one of these clunky things where you're just like, Okay, I'm gonna tear your arm off and beat Charlotte. Beat with Charlotte it. with it. Because at least Rhonda still has that in mind too. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't hate that. I. I, I like I that it. that she has Charlotte still in her focus. It's weird to me more that Becky doesn't have Nia more in her focus. Yeah, I, I think I think you're uh, you're onto something there. It's a lack of follow up on stories that they don't want told necessarily i think because i don't think there's any plans to do a becky naya match no no and and, and i and hope frankly, there aren't no 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 it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a good match and, and i mean really the story i want told there is just becky runs through naya rather effortlessly so i guess you could do that right after ronda beats naya yeah 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 so anything else on smackdown or raw that uh that you thought was of some interest because we have the establishment of this of this big heel group, and it's gonna. I, I. So I think this big heel group is eventually going to square off against Strowman, Elias, and Balor. So we we are going to eventually pull the threads together of the Elias and Balor stuff. Is this helping or hurting McIntyre? I don't think it's helping. I'm still. I'm, I'm watching it. And I'm going, man. They know they have something with him. I just don't know. He, I mean, because he's... It's just so haphazard. The, there really isn't a great, great reason for these three guys to all be in alignment. And the issue with Drew is that we've sort of pressed the reset button on him two or three times here in the last six to eight weeks. Well, the pro- the problem is Baron Corbin's the personality. He's the driving force of the personality. And Bobby Lashley is more the the menace of the of the three so what does so what role does then McIntyre have in this right right he's 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 the third guy in this threesome when he's the guy with probably the most upside of the three so you're just kind of you're you're kind of wondering if they do see something in him or not because you thought when he first attacked Strowman okay here we go we're gonna turn Drew baby face to you know and he's gonna break off of this uh ziggler tag team and he's gonna go against a heel brawn to establish himself as the new baby face he just saw yeah, ziggler I, get massacred in the ring and he made the smart move of striking first made sense yeah yeah and and now it's just, and then the, during survivor series it became all about okay we're gonna turn brawn baby and then brawn gets hurt and so now they're just kind of left with this well, we made the wrong we we put the money on the wrong guy type of thing. You're just like, okay, well now we gotta go through this string to see what happens. There are just way too many heels 
on yes. this show, and there are no strong baby faces to really compliment it. And you really feel that when Strowman is out of the mix. Because after Strowman, there's just this prodigious drop-off between him down to Seth Rollins and where Seth Rollins' character is at right now. Yeah, they have that problem also on SmackDown. They don't have a lot of baby faces. I mean, after you get past AJ Styles, who... So it turns out turning all of your baby faces heel is not the strongest strategy for having a lot of baby faces. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, after AJ Styles, your hot young baby faces are pretty much Jeff Hardy, uh, Rey Mysterio, and then Rusev. And Rusev, as a baby face, they have always treated as a prelim act. It would take you know, a lot to heat him back up. But he would be someone, if you want to get him going as a baby face, he is someone who needs squash matches. He needs to just murder some weird-looking aggressive heels. Town to town. <laughs> I'm all in favor so of squash matches. They have to matches. be weird-looking, huh? I, they need to, I want wild boar Mike Hitchman, but not wild boar. But maybe you build up to the wild boar. But he, no, I'll put my I'll put my Hitchman here. Give him the payday. Absolutely. Have him come have him come out in that in that weird boar costume See? of his. You're with me on this, but okay, these are the sure. type of guys that Rusev needs to be rebuilding on. Sea level villains. Yes, that's what. Yes, okay. I'm, I'm I'm for that. I'm for you know. Give me give me the give me Mike Hitchman. Give me. I can get <laughs> you on board with any idea by pitching Mike Hitchman in the mix. Yes, you know what? I, I want him to have his own show on the network. There we go. I mean, if, if Kathy Kelly can have a snack show, <laughs> what, I, I want, I want, I want, you know, drinking in pubs with with Mike Hitchman. I, I want him to go to pubs all across. Beers I've had the UK. by Mike. Hitchman. Beers I've had. Beers with the boar. There you go. There's my show. He goes. He gets in fights. He gets more of his teeth knocked out. He tells us about his days of being a brawler in the pubs across. And and he's he's the new star that WWE Network needs. That that's what I want. Yes. There we go. Uh, but but to your idea, I mean, you know, is, is it time to then break up the new day to to make them baby faces? Is Big Show now your new baby face now that he's broken off of the bar after two weeks? Of being, of being aligned with them? That that made no sense. It really didn't, especially when I guess they had some success. They managed to get Drake Maverick to piss himself, which is apparently a big focal point on Raw, but nowhere near as important to the people on SmackDown. This, this, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm being way too snarky this week. I'm, I'm so... I'm I so decided angry. to check out some of the other podcasts this week, which I don't usually do, but like they're all down on them. We're all down on this. Okay, that, that's fine. But you know what? I try and be not like all other podcasts occasionally. I know well, I was me so cranky. down on this. I wanted to see if it was just me, and I was mildly relieved to see that it wasn't. Okay. No, that that's good too. No, Starcade put me in a bad mood because all that was was two house show matches and name dropping Ric Flair and Harley Race, and I didn't expect much more. But just the the incessant Starcade, Harley Race, Ric Flair, Ric Flair, Ric Flair, Ric Flair, Ric Flair, Ric Flair, Ric Flair. I'm just like, oh, that put me in a bad mood. And then watching that Raw. But I'll tell you something. We we got some good stuff coming up because uh, you and I on our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/ShakeThemRopes. We've decided on our first episode and the lineup for it. And we started preparing it, too. And let me just say, I was having fun watching all of these matches again and taking notes on them. 
So what is it? Should we tell them or are we keeping it secret? Yeah, we, we let, let's spoil it since we're right near the beginning of December. Okay, okay. So it's going to be Jeff chose The Great Muda and I chose Jinsei Shinsake, who you might know as Hakushi in the WWF. And we're going to take a look at a selection of matches from each of them and do rundowns and run through these matches and talk a little bit about their careers. Yeah, I, Muda, I, I've looked at Muda in a different light since reading Gary Hart's autobiography. I, ha- I had a copy of it, uh, or at least a PDF copy of it that I, that I read. And uh, man, I, I, I still think he's one of the guys, if he had ever done a babyface run when he was at his hottest, it could have really changed how the industry treated foreign talent in some ways. And I think Hakushi is pretty much in that same boat as well because he got really, really hot towards the end of that Bret Hart run. Yeah, absolutely. And and we're going to take a look at all of that. And, and I think both of these guys are really great candidates for what you just described. And I discovered in the process of prepping for this episode that they had a match against each other in New Japan. So we're going to take a yeah. look at that as well. Yep. Uh, that's Shake Them Ropes. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash Shake Them Ropes, our tip jar Patreon. We're going to provide a couple of extra audio shows uh, each week, or not each week, each month. And uh, that, that'll be fun to do. That's more of the fun, silly stuff as opposed to the uh, main roster. Turns out wrestling stuff. is a lot more fun when you get to curate what you watch. Yeah, I know. And that's kind of what, <laughs> you know, that's kind of what we wanted to do. But we also want to. You know, we want to maintain our market share in the uh, in the Voices of Wrestling family as the WWE show, so we can't really get away from that either. Um, but we well, do, no, we do I, want we stuff that we enjoy. Do that. But yeah, this gives us a chance <laughs> to talk about that and sort of let you all in on a look at some of what brought Jeff and I to the wrestling table. Chris, tell them where the people where they can find you. You can find me the people you can find me at c-h-r-i-s-n-o-v-e-m-b-r-i-n-o i have another show called don't worry about the government new episode dropped earlier this week so you need to go and check it out on itunes on stitcher or at don'tworry.tv my other show the all in the family podcast we're coming up on the sammy davis jr episode the long-awaited you're probably going who's sammy davis jr right now jeff hawkins knows who sammy davis jr is so be like jeff hawkins and listen to the all in the family podcast which you can find at the all in the family podcast.com i love sammy davis jr loved billy crystal's impression of sammy davis jr which nobody could ever get away with uh in this day and age uh you can find me at crap game 13 where in my bad mood, you know where my bad mood's being caused by Chris. I figured out it, it's it's Virginia losing to Virginia Tech on a on a massive just the fates aligned to screw us out of a football game and we haven't beat them in 14 years and then the Bengals suck. So I'm just I'm just a ball of sunshine today. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. Follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. Um, you really nailed again. that endorsement of your Twitter by saying you're going to be super negative.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co 